I'm going to I'm going to high energy um, intro yeah, us, okay? Do it. Bring me in. Welcome to No Plans to Merge, the one and only podcast where two developers talk about code for more than 20 minutes. I'm yeah, Caleb it's Porcio. the only one. <laughs> Still the only one. I'm Daniel Colburn. And this is No Plans to Merge. <laughs> the only podcast where two developers talk about code for more than 20 minutes. On a Friday. It is a Friday. Oh, Daniel It Colborn. is a Friday. What's up, man? How you doing? Um, I'm tired. Yeah, me too. This is so, the first... Mm. <laughs> I I woke up... Uh, I didn't sleep much last night at all. So I Same. tried to get in a quick nappy poo uh-huh. right before the show. I've never done... It's risky business doing a show when you just woke up. I yeah. literally just woke up. So yeah. we're going to see how it goes. You're tired? I'm tired. Dude, I... I think my I think I'm getting old. I think I'm old. Ah, I I once was young. I once was young. Now I'm old. Mm. Um, I used to have. Well, I most of the time still have the type of insomnia that is like I can't be asleep. Like yeah, I want to go to sleep, but I'm not asleep. Um, but last night I fell asleep on the couch at nine thirty or something watching TV. Um, and then I like went to bed and fell back asleep. It was just like the moment I got into bed. This is ideal. This is a perfect situation yeah, for me. This is great. 2 a.m. comes along. I'm up and at them. Oh, yeah. Going to bed That's at the 9 worst. is never good news. That, ugh. but I've never had that problem before. I've had the problem where it was like I couldn't start being asleep. But once I was asleep, I was like, I could be asleep for a year and a half. <laughs> Didn't matter to me, you know, Rumpelstiltskin. But uh, I had like old people insomnia where I like awoke and couldn't return yeah. to sleep. That's really funny. I, that never, ever happens to me. Um, I, too, awoke and couldn't go to sleep. I woke up at four. It's a little bit later. But I had to get up. It's uh, it's Good Friday. Uh, and it's the best good Friday. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and Good Friday tradition dictates that I get up early and go to the Broadway market downtown with my mother where we get buy hot cross buns. Uh, actually, my wife got uh, hot cross buns for her grandma who who used to get uh, cross buns. So we did get cross buns. But yeah, good. like uh uh, pierogies and sausage and pussy willows and which is actually nice. probably only a buffalo thing i don't think other places buy pussy willows no okay well that's a buffalo thing we have a holiday that's a thing on in buffalo on monday it's dingus day it's a holiday that i just found out in late in life that no one else has <laughs> you tell me you buy pussy willows on dingus day yeah well i buy them for dingus day and i i've never like dingus day is a polish holiday <laughs> in buffalo Mm -hmm. it's it's legit like it's i'm sure it's on wikipedia it's legit um where you're supposed to the girls are supposed to chase the boys wait the boys chase the girls with squirt guns and the girls chase the boys and hit them with pussy willows Mm -hmm. yeah this that's a day that's a day for sure (laughs) so anyway that's buffalo (sighs) that's uh, buffalo for friday yeah so i woke Mm. up at 4 a.m and uh, I must have been just so excited for the festivities that couldn't fall back asleep. And I'm that guy. I'm the guy who who does not need help sleeping in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't uh, know what the deal is, man. Here we are. 
I fell back asleep at some point That's good. as it was getting light and I got a couple more hours. So I think like if you add it all together, I think I got eight hours. But just uh just like weirdly spaced. You really put the with, effort in for those eight hours. I put in work. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um Oh, oh, I have a I have a thing. Um office chairs. You've got them. I've got them. We've all got them. True. You're rocking the the Aeron, right? Uh yeah. Yep. Or except you you sit on a ball most of the time these days. I'm on a bouncy ball as we speak and uh-huh. my volumes are yeah. Um I sit on a bouncy ball. I've retired okay. the Aeron, but I have one, yeah. So, I have decided I'm going to make an Aeron chair taller than it's supposed to be. Okay. Oh. They sell mm-hmm. those. Adapter kits for the piston? No, they just sell the standing Aeron chairs. No, no, chair. no, no, but I already have one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. So this one, this one's going to be six inches taller. So you're going to do more than just, like, put it on something. Well, you, you mean like a dais? I'm thinking like some block, like some blocks of wood. But you has got wheels. That's very dangerous. Right. Well, take the wheels off. I don't know. Put the wheel. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that, I hadn't even thought of that. Just a stationary Aeron. Yeah. A Stayron. Stayron. Doesn't go. It only stays. Stayron. Um, but uh, no. So here, here are my options, I think. Um, so I've seen there are... You know the like piston that like rises up and down. Yeah, that like adjusts the height of the thing. Yep. There are tall pistons for office chairs hmm. that are just it's just a longer piston, but they don't seem to exist specifically for the Aeron. But I've seen some blog posts about people using other pistons and like fitting them into their Aeron in a way that made it taller. Hmm. My only concern is it's like 170 bucks to get the piston, so I don't want to get a wrong piston and then because it's going to be an eBay purchase, you know. So it's yeah, like, yeah. and then returning an eBay purchase is not really a thing that goes well. You can so, do it. Uh, it's better you than it? you think. If yeah, anyone's oh, done yeah. it, you've done it. I've definitely done it. Yeah, you can do it. All right. Anyway, I've got concerns. So there's that idea. The other idea is. I'm thinking, you know, the casters, like the wheels. Yep. What if I just replace them with like big wheels? <laughs> like I'm sure somewhere on the internet, someone sells like like inflatable five inch casters. Wheels. Yeah, just like huge, like off road wheels, like beefy scooter wheels or something. Big beefy caster wheels. Yeah, I'm like I could get at least a couple inches out of that, just making bigger wheels, dude. And then I wonder if there's a spacer because you know how the caster goes into the bottom of a chair. It's just like a yeah. It's just like a metal pole that goes into yep. a hole mm-hmm. i wonder if someone just makes an extender for that pole in a hole hmm yeah that would be a lot of torque on that's that one little... thing i've been thinking about but i do know a welder well you could have him weld something you could buy a welder for the price that you would buy the extended piston and just go nuts make a piece <sighs> of art dude you can get welders cheap like easy yeah. welders. Harbor Freight, dude. Harbor Freight. Yes. I'm seriously. Harbor, yeah, the Harbor Freight welder. They're like it's like easier than soldering. It's so hard to not buy a welder every time you're at Harbor Freight. Like <laughs> Have we talked about Harbor Freight? I, 
I'm not officially. I don't think officially. We should talk about I Harbor have, Freight. Let's do it. So here's what happens when I go to Harbor Freight. Go to Harbor Freight. Instantly, I'm like, I should get an air compressor. <laughs> Once I have an air compressor for like $90 or whatever, I could have all of these like $11 power tools. I know. It's oh, like, it's oh, crazy. Like, it's like, I'm like, I spent like $100 on my impact wrench, right? Like yep. I've got like an impact driver. It's DeWalt and it's like, powered by a battery and it, and was it wouldn't hold a candle to your level it wouldn't hold a candle to the to an air-powered one that costs like 29 dollars at harbor freight i'm like come on yeah you ever so, go to like a um flea market and or something like a like a gun show or mm-hmm. something where there's that room of boxes on the ground and that they have new things in the boxes but they're really cheap. Like you might find like a cheap machete, like a box of cheap machetes next to a box of like hangers for a closet. <laughs> Whoa. You know what I'm talking about? No. No? I, we oh, have man. a huge flea market here too. And really? I just went through the other day. They got to have one of these rooms. I'm telling you. I've seen so, so many of these rooms in my life. Huh. <laughs> they're just like rows and rows of boxes. And you can get everything. And usually there's like laser pointers and knives, of course. Mm-hmm. And then That's there's just going to be your classic flea market fair. <laughs> right. That's what you get at a flea market. <laughs> laser pointers, knives, lighters. Knives that um, look like, um, like uh, what are those knives? that, that you, Butterfly knives? Like butterfly knives. Butterfly yeah. knives. And fake yep. switchblades. Uh-huh. And like things that have like you know that thing where it's like it's green in one light but purple in another i wouldn't have even tried to describe it that's what i was just picturing exactly those (laughs) knives they somehow that's a classic flea market knife that really is wow all those yeah no so ours is called smiley's here okay smiley's flea market and uh you go there and it's it's crazy like there's there's a family that operates basically like an entire walgreens wow um <laughs> as their flea market stand like they've got like, like medication n- n- yes medication like nyquil and like you know basic like over-the-counter medication and like 15 different brands of shampoo mm. and like loofahs and like all of this Used stuff where you're, and it's no brand new no yeah brand skin new flakes don't shake out when you <laughs> No, all this stuff is brand new with tags on it and everything skin tags <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Skin tags. Oh, I'm having so much fun with this. Yeah, but anyway, it's it's wild. Like I I would love to interview flea market people, you know, and yes. be like, how do you make a living doing this? Like, where are you getting? Because the the stuff's cheap, right? It's like a cheap. bottle of Head and Shoulders is like a buck eighty at this flea market stand, you know. So I'm like, there's no way. It's not like you're just buying in bulk and getting like this shampoo for less than a buck eighty, you know? Yeah, I'm sure the margins are pretty low. Excellent. Excellent. But no, but the head and shoulders, that's the thing I'm not getting. I want to see the the supply chain on a bottle of head and shoulders that ends up at this flea market for a dollar eighty. I wanna buy that bottle of head and shoulders for $1. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um but yeah, it's cool. I was there, um, this is classic flea market experience. I went to this flea market, so I've been enjoying playing poker recently. This is, oh. a, this is a thing. Nice. There's uh, a friend of mine has like a game occasionally, and I just go over there play. I've been winning more than I'm losing, so cool. it's it's like 
All right. Like, I'm, like, like, watching a lot of, like, strategy videos and stuff. Is it stuff. fixed pot poker? Like, I forget what they call it, but, like, everybody, you, all your buddies, like, pay, like, 10 bucks and you get, like, a fixed set of chips? Or yeah, can you, like, like, buy your way poker. back in? Yeah. Yep. So it's tournament poker, so you can buy it's your way back poker. in. So you buy you can buy back in until a certain time, and then you can't anymore. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, I was like, I don't own any poker chips. I do own a lot of playing cards. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They're all so marked, like, and I don't tell anyone. <laughs> I was like, I should own some poker chips. So I'm at the flea market, Ooh. and I see a guy with a set of poker chips just kind of sitting up on one of those concrete tables. Nice. And I was like... What you want for the poker chips guy? And he's like, well, seeing as it's you, let's call it $20. <laughs> I was like, well, seeing as it's me, why don't we call it $10? Yeah. And uh, he says, how about I meet you in the middle at 17? <laughs> and uh, I say, how about I meet you in the middle at 10, and then I'll play you heads up for the other five. This is this is me just trying to be flea market guy, you this know. Is great, yep. And he says, "Well, if and you're a gambling man, how about I shoot you right now?" <laughs> and then he reaches his hand and just sets it on his gun. No. And I'm like, "Well, shoot, shoot my goot, shoot um, me in the <laughs> And I was Paw. like, <laughs> "So I don't know how to like respond because I still want the poker chips." But this guy, like, very much just kind of, like, made a jokey joke about, like, why doesn't he shoot you <laughs> over $7? <laughs> so, I didn't know exactly what to do. <laughs> so, I ended up paying, I think, 15 And as we're walking away, I just hear, bought him for $5 this morning, made 15 right now. <laughs> I was like, you could have given him to me for 10 oh, uh, That is crazy. I don't live in North Carolina. Oh man, it was hilarious. That doesn't happen to me. How about I shoot? We don't you have right guns now? here. <laughs> you must have guns. We have guns. You yeah. have guns. But not uh I don't know. I've never had that happen to me. Or even thought that that would happen. But yeah. Uh quick update on the things from last episode. Uh the sorting thing where I was like, I'm gonna follow up on like how we solve this problem, whether we like do the sorting on device and like don't yeah. block the rendering or yep. what to catch the listener up. If you didn't hear the episode, Daniel makes a table or no, Dan- whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Basically he needs to compute a number of things per query. And he's like, do I compute that number ahead of time or do I compute it like on the fly? Do I mm-hmm. take what's in JSON and just count them all up and give them the value of that? Or do I like pre load queries or whatever? So my concern was in putting it on the back end that it would, I wasn't really sure what impact it would have. Uh, So your friend of mine, Keith Damiani, uh, just did it. And it slows down the query by like 0.01 seconds, um, which is nothing. And uh, Interesting. Did he add a... So what we were talking about is... Like in the case of Amazon searching, mm-hmm. like you don't know exactly. Interesting. Okay, so did he do like a count in the query to add like a field that is the count of the rows and just return it as part of the query? Or did he add a yes. new query? He added a count field in the query? Uh, he actually used the brand new 
uh, let me pull open his pull request because it was I was so happy about this. Um, meeting all right, API uh, pull request closed. He used the brand new. What is the method called again? He looked and didn't find it. It's like count by or something. Okay. Um, Tell me what it does. It base it's like a group by count. Okay. Yep. Um, That's sweet. I can't find it. That's one of those ones that, like, I always have to go back to my SQL roots to learn, to relearn how to do that. Well, it's a new Laravel method. Um, yeah. And uh, it's so sick. So basically, the code he added was like a couple lines of code that added almost nothing to the cool to the thing, and yep. uh, it was really cool. Nice. Yeah, loved it. Um, so that basically solved the whole problem for me. So now I have an array of items coming back. So the the query response is now the things coming back and a list of the filters. Um, with counts. Gotcha. So he just does all these queries for the counts for these filters, and it's not that expensive. Yeah, it's super cheap. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, so very cool. Embraced the back end. Embraced it. We did. Nice. Um, yeah. That's great. Anything cool happening in your world? Um, so I had an interesting conversation with Mitch yesterday that I thought would be fun to talk about because I was getting pretty fired up and yeah. Interest peaked. Yes. Um, yes. yes. So Mitchter, uh, <laughs> I guess I didn't ask permission to talk about any of this stuff, but Mitch doesn't care. So Mitch is in a new job. Oh, I should have started with a different name. Shoot. Okay. Max, who works at the local gumball factory, <laughs> was on his way to work, lunch pail in hand, wearing his dickies and yep. with soot on his face. <laughs> the gumball factory uh, does place. not practice. Of, yeah, the amount of parts per million of soot in a gumball is not zero. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> So basically, uh, Max, he is in this position where, you know, he comes into a new project and the project is, of course, disjointed and big and heavy. And there's lots of moving parts and some parts of it aren't used anymore and other parts are. And there's problems and there's a business who wants to move forward, but the application needs love. And so there's this question and decisions. When you come into the project, you're you're great at knowing what parts should be overhauled. And then yep. as time passes, that erodes. Or you're still good at knowing it. You get less good at knowing it because you start developing features. You feel under the weight of the project. It, yep. you, you're in charge of getting stuff out the door and getting stuff done. And you develop this sort of low-level like uh, inability to move fast because your brain is stopping you. Um, I, I'm not going to verbalize it completely correctly, but I think people who've been in this position understand what I'm saying. And then like a new guy comes onto the project or they hire some other guy who comes in and is like, Oh yeah, we should change this. This is, and this and this. And he might start making the changes that you made when you first arrived on the scene. Right. 
Yep. Like there's just this thing that happens as you get into the mud of being the guy for a project. Right, right, right. Where um, like you carry the existential weight of possibilities. Right, totally. Yeah. And and it's up nobody's going to say, "Hey Max, I want you to go refactor this part." Hey Max, you tell us what you think is wrong with the system and we're going to have you, you know, improve it and just spend mm-hmm. time on that. That's not how it goes. They say, "Max, we need you to wipe the soot off your face and go and develop this new feature or add this, oh, add this little thing it'll it'll be really quick." You know, yep. and especially in not as or just um, like make more gumballs. Yeah, we need we need to make more gumballs yeah. fast. Um, yeah, so he, you know he's it's it's such a like typical position to be in. It's like the developer. It's the developer condition where yep. you want to improve the system. The business doesn't understand internal quality of the system, so you're in charge of being the guy. You have to be confident enough to represent the system, you know, and not take the bait and uh say you can do things quickly or actually do things quickly and set an expectation for yourself in the future um so many so many things that that you know he's sort of encountering that i just felt like this is the thousandth time that a developer encountered these things and and i just want to tell my future self like hey so is gumball max back in the industry yep gumball max is back in the industry yeah he left gumball making um and switched to crepe making right Uh uh-huh i heard that yep but he switched back because you don't make a lot of money making crepes yeah and you're just making crepes all day (laughs) it's really funny yeah i had at one point a very good relationship with a pair of crepe vendors oh yeah yeah there were they worked all the same gigs as us when I did taco gigs. Yeah, I'm picturing like them. we would, we would show up at a gig and they would show up at a gig and we would exchange crepes for tacos. Nice. Um, yeah, it was it was a cool situation. Yeah. So one of the thoughts I had was the benefit of an agency is that the agency has done this a bunch of times and yep. they come to the table saying, "Here's how we work." Let's just yep. say Titan. Yep. They they come to the table saying, here's the way that we work. And of course, there's some negotiation and whatnot. But in general, they come to the table with like, these are the things we're going to do. We're going to TDD. And we might not even tell you because we just assume like we're just, that's just how it is. You know, yep. we don't know anything else. We're going to X, Y, Z. Where when you're an individual developer on a project, you don't necessarily get that opportunity. You know, you're like applying yep. for the job. Like you could, maybe the best developers or the people who thought about this really hard do this. But in general, the, you know, if it's like a solo project, they hire a developer. He's not coming to the table saying, here's how it's going to be. And here's the way I'm going to work. And if you don't like it, I'll find a new job. You know, it's not like Mm -hmm. that. It's very much like, all right, well, I'm employed now. You're my boss. I'm going to try, you know, to, you know what I'm saying? There's less, there's less um, autonomy, power. I don't know. In the, in the arrangement. Totally yeah so what's where are we going with it i don't know i just i figured that good conversation would would flourish yeah i mean i think the there's a few things there one of them is like you can be the person who starts making noise about that right like you can come in and be like like you say no one's gonna tell you to like refactor 
right? Yeah. No one's going to tell you, like, fix the system. But you are the person who can, like, best see the problems with the system. For sure. Um, so you can decide to be the guy who makes a lot of noise about the problems in the system. Um, it's super annoying. And, like, people are going to get annoyed with you. <laughs> um, so you have to be really tactful about how you do it. And you also have to, like, prove that you're right. And a lot of people are just going to see that as, like, a power grab or something, you know? Which is, like, a weird thing. Um, yeah, right. It, I could see how, how it could turn into that sometimes. Especially if the relationship lacks trust. Right, and which you, you're new. So it Yeah, does. right. It does, completely. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you take long for stuff. and Or you start to take longer. Whatever. Yeah. And they go, wait a minute. I just asked you to add a button. Come on. There's no yeah. way that took you three days. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. And then the tone is already set. The decision's made. It's They've won. You. It's mm-hmm. hard to come back from that position. Yep. And they can. the problem with this is they can hire a new developer and they can say, Let, all right, so let's say new developer, he interviews with them. Uh-huh. He's desperate for employment or he's really excited and chomping at the bit to prove himself. And they go, how long do you think? That it would ask that it would take you to add a button to a page, and he says, "Oh, that's five minutes. I'd have it done yeah. in five minutes." And they could hire him, and he might even yep. do it in five minutes, you yep. know. And then Max is screwed because, in their eyes, he's been disproven. That like, right. oh, okay, so Max is the slow guy, and he says that he works better, or has better like internal quality, or writes tests, or whatever. But I care about moving the business forward. Mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to do, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a tough spot. Yeah. It's a well, tough spot. Well, I mean, it's not... To me, it's like... It's a tough spot as the programmer, right? Because you need to be able to convince people that there is value in owning a code base that has some internal consistency. Definitely. Right? Definitely. Um, like... And that at the end of like my engagement with you, you're going to own a code base. And you want it to be the code base where I spent three days working on a button. I promise you. You know? <laughs> and that's like a weird thing to explain. You know? Yep. It's a weird thing to explain. And there's a chance that they will say, we're not interested in the developer that leaves us with an internally consistent code base. We're interested in the developer that moves our business forward fast. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's the and difficulty. you have to be willing to stand by what you believe in and how you develop things. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's the, that's the real... Well, that's the real difficulty. Like, you have to make the decision of, like, am I going to not take this work now? Yeah, right. You know? And um, I, I think... I think that decision it it gets lost pretty quickly when you're in the when you're in the zone when you're in the game. Yeah, you don't want to be let go. You don't want to be talked to. You don't want to be. You don't want your salary, like you don't want to not get that raise or not be the team lead or not right. Like right, like you. Nobody really chooses that path by nature. You yep. you just have to have that inner confidence. No. Be able at any moment to give the reasons for the faith that you have in internal consistency. Yeah, I've uh, so I'm on a project right now where I'm sort of the, for all intents and purposes, like the project lead from the developer position, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's been difficult because I was a little too eager beaver early on mm-hmm. in the project, mm-hmm. and I think I set a precedent for uh, a few yeah. things. Yeah, and now I've got it. Now I've got the precedent that I set. Yeah. Um. And I live in constant fear of disappointing people. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's like, ooh, that's that's rough. Nobody wants that. I really so. appreciate your honesty on this matter. I think that I found myself in that position, no doubt. And that is the hardest thing for my bones to do is to to not impress, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like, tell me to come on a project, to be the new guy on a project, and not impress people <laughs> forever. And especially, like, for me in this situation, I don't want to say more than I can, but uh, for me in this situation, it's like, I'm sort of put in this position for the first time, and there's, like, some contingencies possibly riding on, like, how sure, I perform, right. yeah. you know? Yep. And... uh so for me, it's like, not only like, do I want to impress, but I want to like really impress, you know, like yeah. I've got some, I've got some motivation to really knock this out of the park, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I get, I got a little eager beaver, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, it's been, it's been interesting. I've been walking it back, but you can't walk it back quickly. Yeah. You have to walk it back slowly. Right. You know, it's like, you you have to like. If if none of this had ever happened, you know, there probably would be five things I would say no to. And I have to start by saying no to, like, two of them. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, next week, maybe say no to three of them. Mm-hmm. And then next week, say no to four of them. So it's been interesting. And uh, there's people at Titan who are, like, super good at, like, eyeballing a situation, seeing where the variables are, seeing who's expectations are what seeing like who needs to be like have a come to jesus experience you know um so the project manager on this project who you know but who i won't name drop (laughs) um has like whipped it together in like a week and like everything is clean now like i don't understand how it happened but it was like it was this thing where like he had two conversations that were important uh, he moved s- some stuff around in Trello in a way that like fixed some things, and like my life just got so much cleaner hmm. as soon as like the tension was evident. And that's what I was—we were talking last week about like specialization, yeah. you know, and like how that's one of the benefits of working in an agency is like you get to have people who specialize in certain things instead of having to be a generalist all the time. Yeah, and like I was very much in like a generalist role at the beginning of this project, which is like. I made the Trello board. I put the cards in it. Yeah. I led the client check-in call. I uh, wrote most of the code, uh, you know? Yeah. And so I was, like, very generalist on this project. I was doing code review for the other developer on the project. Like, it was it was all me. And uh, as soon as you throw someone who's, like, a specialist in, like, talking to a client about a Trello board, like it all got clean so quickly. I was like, ooh, like, I need to learn how to do that yeah. better than I do it now. Yeah. So that was really interesting. Nice. 
Um, do you have any specifics? It's okay if you if you can't share specifics or if you can extract out something concrete from all that. That mm-hmm. like here's one thing that I learned that he did that I could now do to whip together. Yeah. Well, one thing um, is we allowed this word to enter. So big part of this project was like rewriting an app. Okay. Right. Like there was an app that was written in a fra- in Ionic. Yeah. Um, and big part of it was rewriting the app in react yeah um and then adding additional features yeah um so this phrase entered the world and the phrase was feature parody um and the phrase feature parody means all things to all men yeah um and so in my mind we we had some we had some tasks in trello yeah. That were tagged with a blue tag feature parody. Yeah. <laughs> and that, to me, that blue tag meant... Must do. Well, not just must do, but like the sum total of things that the client expects to hit this baseline of feature parody... Right. ...are summed up in these Trello cards with these blue tags. Yeah, yeah. And then it felt like on a regular basis... We were learning that feature parity included other things. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, we, I think, didn't do a great job explaining to the client that we needed them to tell us if there were features they wanted us to build that we hadn't built. Yeah. You know, there, there was a few times where we didn't build something a specific way. Um, because the behavior was sort of non, it wasn't super obvious that that was how the behavior worked. So we built it in the more obvious way. Um, and there was some behind the scenes stuff that the old app did that we didn't build in some weird edge case handling or like, a if there's yep. no results in a specific way, then show this screen. But if there's no results in a different way, show this screen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so there's stuff like that where the answer that we got back when we said, oh, we haven't done it that way was like, oh, we'll just look at the old one. Like, yeah, yeah. And just oh, look at man. the way that the old that code a, does it. That is a certain kind of hell. And it was it was a hard and like it, it very much like became evident to me that like I had failed early on mm-hmm. in communicating the nature of rewriting an app. Mm-hmm. Right, and like, like it became evident that the client thought that like we could copy, yeah, things over from that app to this app in a way that we couldn't. Let me run this by you. Yeah. So this is something I've I came across the same thing. Yeah. Um, at one point where there was a big legacy application, and we had to do some new work, um, but they were like over time. Um, migrating this legacy application to a Laravel app. Sure. Um, and there was a lot of this feature parity stress and miscommunication in within the company because they were doing this for like tons of these. They wanted to basically take this giant legacy monolith and break it out into these new Laravel microservices and other microservices. And yep. it, um, yeah, there was so, so much of that. And I remember being in that position where to the business, they say, 
we need you to move this piece over and add this functionality. Like, like if, if it's the um, gumball uh, design, like where you can design your own gumball, like the color and stuff. I mean, there's really right. only one variable. It's color. Right, right, right. But that page, like they're like, we need you to move the gumball creation page over and add this. Right. And so th- to them, it's like, well, you just copy whatever's there before. But to you, it's like, okay, well, I don't, I can't read uh, assembly and legacy application is in assembler. Um, sure. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I don't know what functionality exists beyond what I see when I load the page. Um, and so something that I was talking with Max about uh, yesterday was uh, he, he was encountering basically like I always come back to like communication. Whoa. Like communication is, is like bare minimum requirement for having some hope of a healthy relationship with, uh, with the business side of things or the client yeah. or whatever. Um, and part of that communication, one of the things that I learned to do, and I'm telling my future self right now again to do, is um, to basically, like, when you're writing out, this, like, settle on the specifications of a feature, but don't let them write out the specifications. Settle on the test names. Like, settle on what, what you would write as the test names, because that's going to be all your edge cases and all the stuff that when you go to write, where they're like, move over the, cre- the gumball uh, creation page. And you're like, okay, got it, Captain. You go to do it. And then you're like, oh, right. Well, logged in users have access to other color palettes, right? So then I have to make sure that that if the login users are seeing it, but then they need a more drop down, but then it gets in the way of the like create color button. So I have mm-hmm. to move, should I move it all around? Right. And then you're in the weeds. It takes you three, four days. You come back, you have your full feature done. The tests are written. You found all those edge cases. You ship it. You miss one. They're like, it took you three days and you did a bad job right like this is the the loop so so i'm like dude you should if you can everything you do is in a trello card and the test names are written out like like gherkin like that's kind of the the promise of gherkin right like yeah right like business writes the the tests and you implement the tests um but but so my question is would that help in this situation with a parody task to actually say hey like we can't just take a word with a blue label we need to sit down and write out exactly what what functionality, you know, is encompassed in this. Yes and no, right? Uh, in this case, uh, trying to figure out what I can say here. Yeah, um, we can we can move on to something else because if you're just going to talk super general, it's not going to be yeah <laughs> easy would, for you I to say, say or easy for us to hear. I think it would be easier in a different technology stack and uh, with a different client, right? Like there's nobody at the client who is a technical PM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a little bit difficult to have those conversations sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right? Well then even, even writing them out at, at bare minimum, if you're writing these things out, like if your feature mm-hmm. specs are detailed enough that you can use them, basically is the test you're going to write. Mm-hmm. The client at least sees what goes into something like this. The client is yeah. at least now, there's now visibility into how complex these things are. Yeah, I think the I think the main issue now is that because we initially failed to start down that road, um, 
we we should just move on decole i think we should just move on <laughs> we should move because on. The, my, the pauses are getting bigger right right i think the the general problem is like it, it's a it's a heck of a pivot and it adds a ton of responsibility to something where it really to the client justifiably i think felt like why don't you just look at how the app does it and do it that way yes you know yes and so now us shifting the responsibility to them says well why don't you look at the app and see how it does right right. and then write it down yeah and then we'll do it that way yes exactly um feels like shifting a lot of the responsibility that they thought was on us back to them yeah um and i think that so we've basically taken on a lot of the responsibility of looking at how the app does it and writing it down yeah um and it's not it's not a perfect solution but it's a better solution anyway yeah um that that is like uh a niche like that that is a myth the the myth of like um and it's one of those things is just people who aren't system level people do not understand certain um certain system level things and and they you know and there is an assumption there that um and I'm yeah there's an assumption there that oh well just do this this is how it works you can test it out and figure it yep. out you know yep. um but that is a massive grave assumption and i think it's a niche one like i haven't really encountered it outside of migrating legacy software um i mean i'm sure that that nature of assumption exists you know what an interesting thing is uh i I had an electrician in my home recently um do we talk about my electrical issues on this podcast no okay i had electrical issues um sorry to hear that it's okay i had an electrician in my home is the point and uh I presented him, it felt very much like I was the client and he was the developer, right? <laughs> I presented him with yeah. with a symptom, right? Which is like, the other day, this light flickered and then went off. And now this whole row of outlets doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you do, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, those things shouldn't be related at all. Like... There's no way that those outlets should be on the same circuit as that light. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, in my head, knowing nothing about wiring a house, if I was going to wire a house, I wouldn't put those on the same circuit. That makes sense to me. I'm just telling you that the one thing happened and now the other thing is the fact. Right, right. Um, and he's like, all right, well, blah, blah, blah. So then he starts like uh, taking light switch covers off and like looking at stuff and going out to the box and doing all this stuff. And uh, at some point, there's some three-way switches where, like, you can turn a light off yeah. and on from either side of the house. I've only been in this house for a couple months. I'm not exactly sure which switches do what yet. Right. <laughs> you know? And he's asking me. And he's like, so what normally happens when you switch this flip or flip this switch? I'm like, one of those switches over there does something with that light i think but there is a weird condition that i'm not quite sure what it is like i haven't nailed down exactly like what switch has to be in what position and he's like all right like he's like definitely like annoyed that i don't know how my house works (laughs) you know that if it's a like a four-way switch or something like like absolutely wacky i mean there's so many weird wiring paradigms and and yeah okay go on 
Anyway, um, <laughs> like I'm giving him completely useless information, right? Like yeah. I'm just feeding him like, well, all I know is that one flickered and now none of these work. Yeah, He's like, right. right. But how does it, how's it supposed to work, right? Could you like explain, could you write me a, a technical specification for the feature you'd like me to develop here? Yeah. Right. Or I need some debugging information. And I'm like, that's, like uh, nothing works. That's nothing a good works. point. Very good point. Great point, actually, that, that you being so dumb, you know, just as just like, massively just, dumb. Just so dumb. One of the dumbest dumb. people. Yeah. Right. Like you just having that, you know, condition. <laughs> Um, and then, and him expecting you to be able to understand how a three-way switch works Mm -hmm. and sort of pinpoint it and assign it, you know, like that's unreasonable. Um, similarly for you to say, Hey client, would you mind just writing down, you know, all these requirements to the level of like, to you, it may seem obvious, but to them, to write that means they have to know something about how the system works and they don't. Yeah. Is that a, is that a parallel? Is that what you're saying to me? Yeah, essentially like they, there's a bunch of con, you know, conditionals. Yeah. In rendering a list of things with filters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's what happens if you've selected a bunch of filters, but the filters you selected equal zero products. Yeah. Right. There's also what if the API fail fails, and then that equals zero products. What happens if the location you inputted gives it back zero products, right? Yeah. There's all sorts of ways that you can end up at zero products. Um, and there's different behaviors for all of those. Uh, that, like, they're so edge casey. Like, you would have to have gotten yourself into the, all of those various situations. Um, and that's something where it's like the conditional logic of like this if leads to this if like the client doesn't think of it that way yeah right the client just thinks of like i've been on this page before yeah yeah you know like put that page back yeah i'm like okay but like there's a fork in the road here and i need you to make a call left or right yeah and they're like just look at how the app does it i was like well it's, it's different code different architecture like everything's really different you know yeah yeah it's hard work it's, it's all hard work and that's a case for like um tests as code documentation that you know if you yeah. need to switch a if let's say it's hard to write it's hard to write uh tests for this type of thing for filtering uh not for the filtering but for the navigation stuff the react navigation stuff okay like what screens are getting rendered and clearing and state management and like component D reacting stuff. Yes. Yes. Right. That is, um, I could see that. I could see that. So there are, there are unit tests in this app, but there are no tests. Yep. Yep. So man, it's a little sketchy. If only it was a backend blade app. Word up to Cole. Word up. Good stuff. Good Anything else? Stuff. Um, no. Yeah, I don't think I have anything either. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. 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 Beta. 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 All right. Podcast. Stop recording. Now. Now.